welcome to Future Construct. I'm Mark Oden, the CEO of Them Designs, Inc. We're here at GeoWeek 2023 in Denver, Colorado. I'm, I'm joined today by Brian Schreidem uh, at FX Collaborative. He's the digital practice manager and senior associate there. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is great. Fantastic. Uh, Brian, I'd love to um, understand your, a little bit about your history and what brought you to FX Collaborative. Yeah, it's a long, long story. <laughs> I'll try to sum it up. Um, so basically, I uh, always loved designing things. I always loved making things. And my, my father was a mechanic his whole life, so he loved using his hands, right? He asked me to help him build a house in South Africa. And I went over there and I said, all right, I'll stay here. I'll help you build for three months if you pay for my tuition for motorcycle technician school. He agreed. By the time we were done there in three months, I turned around and applied for architecture schools. And funny enough, my cousin is in Seattle. He, he also is an architect. So I felt at that point, okay, I can do this, right? Um, and I went through school, did my five years, and I got a one class on Revit. And I said, oh, this is a game changer. I never touched AutoCAD again. From there on out, I just worked from single person firms to like 30 people. And I just really love the technology a little bit more than the documentation. Uh, and I found an opportunity at FX. Um, at the time, I was FX Wild, and I was FX Collaborative. And from there, I was just like starting as a digital technology specialist. Um, I quickly turned that around to be, no, you need a bid manager. This is a bigger job. Um, within the, the next couple of years, uh, we transferred to digital practice. So digital practice as an idea. And did so, I was now the digital practice manager. And from there, I just branched out from BIM, and I said, all right, I got the BIM thing. Let's figure out something else. And I just got sucked into data, big data. Uh, from there on, I just loved, I loved understanding how data works between people. We're a bit of a mid-sized firm, about 120 people, and we do lots of different types of architecture. And that means that we need to be really nimble. So that means we have to be very efficient. So that made it even more important for me to try to push data across the entire office, not just what I do for BIM and BIM QC. That's a fantastic history, and, and thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself and both FX Collaborative. Um, I, I, I understood uh, when you said digital practice that that may have been something that you've, uh, you, you were very passionate about and, and, and defined uh, at, at FX Collaborative. Um, can you help uh, give, give me a little bit of uh, context behind the digital practice and what that, what that brings to the firm? Sure. So we started out with probably a couple people, right? We had an IT manager. Uh, we now have a CTO, who was just my director at the time, but now CTO. I'm digital practice, digital practice manager. Um, so the three of us kind of run the game on, on kind of digital practice. Uh, as of a couple of years ago, we also pulled in a couple of partners into the fold, um, as a, in addition to a couple of champions. So people that are actually just working on project teams, um, but they also help us out with other initiatives that you know I don't have time to do, or it's their specialty, like rendering or computational analysis and things like that. So that's kind of our team that we we're, we're slowly pushing into. We have three studios. So we're pushing into three studios and uh, getting people more educated in technology because that's what I love doing. That's all I ever did naturally. I did it in school. I was 10 years older than everybody in school because I went back to school. So I just naturally would tell people, that's, that's interesting. Let's talk about that. <laughs> we get into something. Um, and I carry that with me into my career where I really enjoy educating people and helping them because I learn from them too. And I never got certified for anything. I literally took it at one class and read it. <clears throat> I have t taught myself everything. So uh, to me, that was just really great, and I really wanted other people to appreciate that as well. What's your, um, what's your approach to helping, uh, helping uh, individuals and groups uh, in, in a training setting, but also in helping them be the best they can be? Uh, train the person. That's it, <laughs> right? Um, if someone doesn't want to learn, there's nothing you can do to help them. But for me, so for me, it's trying to find 
the thing about them that, that they're going to want to do and really just push that, push it hard and, and get them involved in more than one thing at a time so that they can kind of see where things are going rather than maybe you know, falling back and saying that didn't work out and then just not doing anything else. So they try to kind of push people in multiple directions at the same time. Whenever I see them either struggling or I see an opportunity where they took the initiative to do something. I said, oh, took the initiative to do something. Well then, let's see. Maybe you like this, because I thought I found a connection between that for me, so I maybe it could work for you. Very cool. And how have you applied that uh, that experience to FX Collaborative? Well, um, I created our first uh, Dynamo Discoveries group, that's what I called it. Um, and uh, I, you know, I've never, I'd never used Dynamo before, so I taught myself a few things and I wanted to basically be more lazy, so I wanted to automate some stuff that I didn't want to do, and through that, I, I kind of gained some ideas about standardizing and being a little bit faster at things. So I started pulling people in that were interested in being fast, or people that would come to me and say, hey, is there a better way to do this? And then, so I just started the group, I pulled in some people, and now they're doing things on their own. You know, they're, uh, creating their own scripts and doing their own stuff with Dynamo, um, in addition to uh, BIM leads. So for me, having someone on the team who is my eyes and ears, because I have 120 people, 90 Revit users, it's a lot of projects. I can't be in every single one. So for me to be able to kind of mentor somebody as a BIM lead and have them understand what I need, and then they teach me what they need, and that makes me a better manager. Um, so we've definitely supported and branched out a BIM lead role on every single project. And I think that has bled into a sustainability lead in every project, because our firm is, is, is heavy on sustainability in our projects. Um, an accessibility lead, that was huge. I mean, having someone specifically talking about and looking for accessibility issues in a project on top of sustainability, and then someone for BIM for me, I mean, it, I just love the way that that has just percolated across the yeah, that's wonderful. Um, uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about sustainability and how sustainability applies to BIM or where the two of those intersect. Oh, yeah, you're talking about big stuff here. Yeah. Uh, let's see, all right. Uh, okay, so uh, for us, it's really important to understand the big picture at the beginning, right? Because um, once you've gone to, to, to SD, the building's pretty much what its bulk is going to be. So we have a separate uh, sustainability uh, analysis group, environmental group, mm -hmm. and they've been trained on different analysis tools um, through, their, uh, through Grasshopper, Rhino, and all of that. So it's like really early design. Or uh, we have a, we also have people who just do zoning, but they do early, early design. Um, so we pull those, we pull those people in to understand how to use those tools, and then that then feeds into either a consultant or um, just even the, the team itself to help them remember and understand the things that they need to know from that early analysis. Perfect, perfect. So I understand you're, you'll be presenting here at GeoWeek. Uh, would you help us understand the topic and, and a few key takeaways that you'd want your audience to take away? Sure. Uh, so uh, the title is um, digital uh, Data-Driven Digital Practice. And the idea behind it is how we as a small firm or kind of mid-sized small firm um, have tried to be as efficient as possible with getting information from and to people. Um, and and uh, it highlights also uh, my BIMQC dashboard, which is the most developed portion of our data-driven uh, analysis so far. Uh, and for me, the takeaway there is, I hope, <laughs> the takeaway from that is that people understand that it's people first, it's not technology first. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you understand the people and understand what you want to do, all the other stuff can come into place as soon as you have the resources. 
Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic, and I love how that drives back to the keynote, that the original kickoff keynote. Mm -hmm. um, would love to to talk about what you uh, also observed here at GeoWeek, what your what your learnings were, and what you'll take back to FX Collaborative. Sure. Um, besides there being a million ways to scan something, <laughs> uh, which I you know don't personally have very much experience in, but um, I do have a few projects that are using point clouds and you know scan to bin and all that. So so we understand that we the kind of broad, but to see how many kinds of technologies there are, whether they're walking or droning or whatever. Um, but there's one in particular that I really like, and I forgot the name. So yeah, um, Brian, you had mentioned it was Erebus earlier. Yes, so this company, from what I got from their great presentation, was that they're kind of AI-driven um, uh, point cloud mm -hmm. uh, development. So it's a plug-in for Revit, which for us is huge, because that means that we have less maintenance to deal with, right? Um, the stuff that I'm doing, high maintenance. This, no maintenance. So fantastic. And the idea of it is that they don't do the modeling for you. And we've been interviewing a lot of and using a lot of different companies because we do have to have a lot of existing conditions models developed for us. But they're not really done in a certain way that we really want as an architect. So for us to see um, something that makes us go faster, maybe possibly in modeling it ourselves, I think is huge. And um, I'm really looking forward to actually talking to them more and maybe do a bit of a demo with them. Very cool. I'm sure they would appreciate that. Yeah. Um, what do you see? Uh, what do you see as the future? What do you see um, next year at GeoWeek? Maybe that might might pop up. Oh God. Super um, trick question. Don't I, worry about it. <laughs> Robots. I'm thinking. Robots, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I I really want to. I guess one thing that I really I really would like to see. I, I'm, I focus on on micro, right? A lot of people here focus on macro, mm -hmm. and then some, and then other people just take it to the wall with it. I would love to see a bit of a more bridging on the micro and macro, mm -hmm. only because I, I'm able to talk about it so much because I'm kind of in the dirt, like doing it. Um, whereas a lot of other companies are kind of, they're, they're choosing big top solutions to make, make sorry, big, big ideas <laughs> to make those solutions done. I kind of want to see a little bit more melding of that. Very cool. Um, but other than, everything just seems pretty fantastic here. Wonderful. Yeah, I agree completely. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. this is great. And good luck at your presentation. Thank you. <laughs>Welcome to Future Construct. I'm Mark Oden, the CEO of BIM Designs Incorporated. We're here at GeoWeek 2023 in Denver, Colorado. I'm here with Micah Kahlo, uh, the AEC uh, Technical Director at Esri. Yep. Uh, thank you for having us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to hear more about your background, Micah, and how you ended up at Esri. Uh, it's kind of a windy tale. I worked in AEC for a long time. I started out uh, working uh, in GIS, actually, Georgia GIS Clearinghouse. And then started working at uh, Bechtel Savannah Riversite with Bechtel for eight, ten years, something along those lines. And did a little stint at government, did, tried to do some GIS stuff, realized it was a little bit slow for my liking. And uh, went back to the commercial side with uh, Arcadis. And in Arcadis, I spent, spent almost 20 plus years there. Uh, started as a GIS technician, worked my way up through, and in the end was uh, running client-facing IT and digital solutions for clients uh, and working on the overall digital transformation of Arcadis. That's a very impressive career. Yeah. And, um, and then at, at Esri, your focus is uh, the AEC industry? Yeah, so we had talked with Esri quite a bit, and obviously my original background is GIS. And I was doing a lot of different technology things. And at the time, we kind of started having some conversations with, um, with Esri about how, what their focus was. And Esri had always been, a, obviously, a big part of what we do in AEC. But 
it was oftentimes services driven. It was uh, maybe for the water industry or for the transportation industry or local government, which were Esri played a big role in. And the AECs were kind of not looked at as AECs. They were looked at as part of kind of a, some other sector. And so I think Esri started to really realize that the AECs were evolving through all this digital transformation stuff that was going on and some of the opportunities and the technology as it's evolving. And they started to see them as a potential sector, somebody that needed focus and a different focus because AECs are so project focused, right? It's not like government where we're running a utility for the next you know, 150 years. So I had a number of conversations, really interesting stuff back and forth over time. It got kind of uh, up and down. And then at the time they announced the Esri and Autodesk partnership. Mm -hmm. And once that partnership got announced, um, we started looking, talking a little bit more seriously about what Esri wanted to do with the partnership. And so I was, we got into a pretty significant conversation. We made some right moves on the hiring. Uh, my boss, Kathleen Cooley, came over from Rockwell Engineering, uh, who did a lot of the original connectors in ArcGIS or in, in AutoCAD. Well, I should say Civil 3D mm -hmm. and in InfraWorks. And then we acquired Brockwell and about the same time when Kathleen became the, the director, I, I was all on board because I just, it was really interesting. I felt like from an industry perspective, I could start to make a lot of the changes that I wanted to make that I had seen where industry had had problems over the years. And, mm -hmm. and when I was doing all the digital transformation stuff, it kind of made a lot of sense to get out of the industry as, as a whole myself and start to try to influence from a data and technology perspective. And I thought I'd have more impact for the next, hopefully, 15 years when I, before I retire. Very cool. Yeah, what are some of the changes that you've been able to influence? Um, we started to really push hard on the understanding and the idea of projects, right? Mm -hmm. So AEC is project-driven, it's commercial-driven, it's profit-driven, it's about winning work and doing work and running their business. Starting to try to elevate the GIS programs. One thing we noticed about like the digital transformation stuff is that a lot of the companies start to panic and jump on board and start to move down the direction. And they initially think it's all about technology. And then they start to quickly realize it's really about business transformation. And technology kind of comes as a, as a backstop to that to help it. Well, GIS was kind of getting left behind. And, and I see this in many of the big AECs and, and sometimes even in the small ones where they're hiring in these digital people. They're bringing somebody from Accenture or Deloitte. And they're doing all this really interesting stuff. They start hiring data scientists, data engineers, and they start to pull away from the core engineering applications and the GIS. And the GIS folks are just kind of heads down making maps and getting billable work done. And I think that we've kind of lost all that institutional knowledge that GIS has learned because in a lot of ways, GIS in a lot of these cases is, is the original digital transformation. We are data-driven from the beginning, right? We were all about kind of scaling. We were about being collaborative and web-based. I think now that BIM has come along, we're starting to see that community move from CAD, which to me was kind of the equivalent of Adobe Illustrator, up to a BIM, a model-driven process, right, to build something. And so now that puts them kind of on an equal footing in a data-driven approach. And then that aligns us with all the other data-driven things that are out there, things like your billing and your ERP and your finance and your project schedules. So I, I just see that as a really interesting opportunity to bring all that together. Fantastic. Um, so what are some of the, the tools at, at Esri that are helping bring those, those topics together? Well, obviously at our core, it's the platform, right? When I say platform, I know we don't like to use that ecosystem, whatever we're kind of calling it today. Um, but ArcGIS Online and Enterprise are at our core, whether you're on-premise or whether you're wanting to do a SaaS solution. 
And then everything else is really an application that hangs off that center, which is kind of the data management and the web kind of component of it. Things like ArcGIS Pro for the professional, even things like um, ArcGIS for AutoCAD or the ArcGIS connector in Civil 3D that Autodesk has created turns those products into potential editors, just tools that edit geospatial data and can interact with it. And then vice versa, we can now read that BIM information over onto our side. And then from there, I mean, I guess the biggest thing that we do in AEC, the, the truly the biggest thing is field. Mm -hmm. AECs are about providing services and businesses. So if you really look at what we have the most of, it's going to be field data collection, it's going to be our survey one, two, three applications, field maps, quick capture. And now kind of the whole image and reality stuff is really starting to change that whole game, right? But that's our focus, right? It's the, it's the applications. And then as you move off of that, you start to get to, well, the ability to make a map and an app, put it out on the web, combine it with a dashboard, put it in JavaScript, make it into, we have a lot of our AEC companies are also our partners. Mm -hmm. which is kind of unique inside of Esri. Um, a good majority of them are partners, and they're creating solutions where they're embedding the geospatial inside of their applications that they're delivering on. Beautiful. Um, thank you so much for that explanation. Um, uh, here at GeoWeek, I've heard a lot about uh, location and the importance of location and how, how location isn't just XYZ. Um, and I'd, I'd personally love to learn more about that. Yeah, I think we've, you know, obviously there's been a new term that's pushed out into the market and everyone's all buzzed and they're talking digital twins and then they argue over the, of what it actually means. And, you know, it's just really, in all honesty, it's, it's a marketing term that sets the trajectory of what we've always been going to. And in a lot of ways, when you start to talk about these things, location is at the center, right? We're standing in a conference room in, a, in, in uh, the Denver Convention Center at GeoWeek, uh, in the city, in the county. We have location. Everything around us has location, right? This room, uh, the air temperature in it, it's all, everything has location. So when people start talking about bringing things together, people and process and building things and sequencing and staging areas and, um, and supply chain, those are all location problems. Now, is location everything for every one of those problems? Absolutely not. But location is fundamental to joining that information together, right? It, it joins unjoinable data. So for us, we focus heavy, heavy on, on the idea of location is what's important, right? We can't do design work in a vacuum. If you're designing a, a new building or a, or a bridge, it, you need the context of what that bridge is going to affect, how the traffic is going to be controlled when you're building it, how the traffic is going to flow when we go over it. Are there any environmental impacts that we need to be worrying about? You've got to use location in order to get to that, to get out of designing in, a, in the vacuum, right? And for me, that's the biggest thing that we push for by using location. And uh, thank you so much for that explanation. Yeah. And, and, and uh, we're talking about the GIS and BIM and how, how those things are coming together. So is location at the center point of that integration? Absolutely it is, right? When we start to talk about BIM and GIS, perfect example of that, right? We've, been, we've struggled on the, on the BIM side of things to make our sure that they're using real-world coordinates, right? Mm -hmm. just, just that one little step makes all the difference in the world because now if you give me that design in real-world coordinates, I can give you back where the wetlands are, how the people are moving, I can pull in sensor data, I can start to join all this information that could be critical in design or to making a more efficient or effective design in the long run. And as Jack said today on stage, it's, it's really about that kind of sustainability stuff and, and this goes way beyond carbon. 
right? It's about people, planet, profit, purpose, or if you really talk about it, it's the sustainability, economics, and the environmental, mm -hmm. right? So putting those things together and thinking about them more broadly, what we do is affecting our ecosystem, and we're, or we're building new ecosystems. And location is at the center of all that. It's the only way to bring that information together and to really think about it. Fantastic. Thank you for that explanation. Um, so shifting to GeoWeek, uh, mm -hmm. you're presenting this week. Yeah, I did uh, uh, an initial workshop on Monday. Mm -hmm. It was well attended, and we talked a little bit about the... We ran through kind of the process of plan design and build from a civil perspective. We talked about... Um, how we need to be thinking about pulling that data from the EIS, or the EIA, the Environmental Impact Assessment, or the Environmental Impact Statement, and making sure that it's not just a hand report that dumps on somebody's desk so that the regulator can approve it, but there's a lot of data in there that is needed all the way through to construction. So we talked about pulling that thread of data into design so the design engineers are no longer moving shape files from one point to another, and we stop playing this file movement game and start connecting to each other's systems record or common data environments, and then how we pull all of that data forward for the construction team. So when they know, hey, where do the silt fences need to go? What do we need to be monitoring for on traffic? How do we, how do we, how do we initially bid on this? Where do we know where the utilities are? All that information existed in the preliminary phases of that project. So that workshop really focused on that. In the latter half of it, we had a good time. We actually started asking a lot of customer questions and getting feedback because we're, we're trying to understand, you know, what are the true personas in AEC? Who are the people and what are the jobs that they're actually doing? And where would they use GIS to get those jobs done? So that's a big part of what we, what we try to get to with our customers. And then kind of going forward, I've got a presentation, a panel. It's same topic, right? Like, how do we stop designing in a vacuum? How mm -hmm. do we start to bring location into the picture? I've got two construction firms and a member from the OGC, Open Geospatial Standard mm -hmm. uh, Committee, on the panel. I think we've got a good conversation that'll go. I, I really like that we're beginning to, to resonate and talk to more construction people. I think that their understanding of what GIS can do for them is very minimal. And they understand drawings and paper drawings and shop drawings and all the stuff that they get. And they're beginning to understand models Mm -hmm. and sequencing in 4D and 5D, mm -hmm. but they do location all the time. They just don't do it in a really organized way very often. And so we're beginning to start to have them in more of our conversations because we're trying to understand what do they need? What are they doing? Mm -hmm. And for them, it's field, 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 right? It's, yeah, there's a lot around the back office and the pre-bid and the planning and the finances. And that's where a lot of the, the blue or the white collar guys make their living. But I mean, it's really about the blue collar guys are, they're actually building the thing, right? Absolutely. As you've heard here today, they're building <laughs> behind us, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're built, they're adding a new level to the, to yeah. the convention center. Yep. Incredible. And, and we don't even hear it happening. No. So <laughs> good mics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm very impressed with that. Um, so, uh, they Thank you so much for that. Um, in terms of other technologies or other um, presentations this week, um, what are you most excited about or what have you seen that's that sparked an interest? Uh, I saw really interesting. We continue to see a lot of back and forth with Esri and Autodesk. Um, and we're seeing that at the developer level, deep down in the bowels of what they do, how they structure file types and mm -hmm. how they're doing 3D modeling and open I3S layer. So we're really beginning to see that collaboration with Autodesk grow in a big way. And it's really cool to see them developing together and working together. Other things I'm interested in, there's obviously a lot of the vendors. I personally, am, I'm, if you're out there, I'm looking for, I'm looking to understand who's doing GPR and who's mapping that data straight away instead mm -hmm. of creating just 
lines on the drawing and paint on the road, I want to see data coming out of that workflow because we could use it to tighten up bids in the long run. And then for me, I'm constantly looking for who's kind of innovating, who's thinking about things like graph databases to support that digital twin. Because everyone talks about digital twin from the nice gaming engine fancy picture perspective, mm -hmm. but the real reality of a digital twin is, the, is going to be the graph database, that interconnection of the data itself, not of the Revit file or the Civil 3D or the ArcGIS shapefile or any of those things. It's going to be about the core data that makes up this building, that mm -hmm. makes up the walls, makes up the, the environment and the soils below us. And how we connect those things has often been a hard way to go, and we've done it with numbering sequences and all kinds of other things. I think things like graph are starting to open up big opportunities in that space. Very cool. Well, Micah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate I'm very it. excited about your upcoming panel, um, yeah. and I look forward to meeting you soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yes, Have sir. a good one.